And the most foundational gig that you have is still at the thousand foot level. What are you doing with your students and families to ensure that they have a positive experience and that you're delivering on your purpose to them? And then those buckets are about simplifying your view on your company so that you can step back in those four or five, six or seven hours you have each week to be a CEO and be like, where am I going to allocate my limited resources this month or this week? Which bucket is going to get my attention? Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio, and we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, Nate. Welcome back. It's good to see you again. Mm, nice to see you, Daniel. Good to be back. Yes. And there's been a little bit of time between since we recorded the last session and this one, but something very interesting happened during that time, and that is we had a lot of folks listen to the first two episodes and give some feedback. And one of the consistent things that I heard from folks over the past couple of weeks was they had a lot of questions around the buckets of business that we talked about in the last episode. Right. And a lot of that went around, hey, how does, I'd really like you to focus on the operations bucket or the marketing bucket or, and so there was a lot of questions around that. And as I read those questions, what I realized was I have some questions for you. How have you managed and kept track of these things over the years with an organization as large as yours? Yes. What were the metrics that were most important to you? And again, if you don't like the form of the question, or you maybe redirect it or rephrase it in a certain way, I'd love to do that. But I'd like to go bucket by bucket and briefly hit what are those one, two, or three super important metrics in each bucket that you mm. would have a studio owner focus on or that you need to focus on to keep things on track? Yes. So love the question. And I love that you highlighted the term feeling because I want to actually define what I mean when Mm. I say feeling. Okay. Uh, Right. It's not just like, hey, am I happy or am I sad when I look at the bucket? But you asked for, can we just like give one to three examples just so that we get into it um, and get really concrete? Yes. So first of all, I'm going to give you a very real example and I'm going to switch over to the back office or operations bucket. So I said, you know, we call our human resources people power right? Everybody who's listening to this knows that this is a people business, right? We meet families and there are students in those families and we develop relationships built on trust, consistent communication, genuine interest in their family and their musical growth. And then we hopefully are mentors and partners with those parents for like seven to 10 years, Right. That's the ideal. That's actually the job we're doing. This isn't. So we call it people power because guess where that starts? That starts with the teachers. Right. I mean, I can be the best, you know, on CEO on paper in the world, but everybody listening here knows 
that it's about the classroom experience and the experience that the student gets in the studio uh, each and every day of the week, right? So that drives retention, yes. Yeah, that drives retention. So people power. We have a meeting today. And when I say, how am I feeling? What I mean by that is, in the people power, we have directors that show up to that meeting. Then we have my wife, who's also the director of families and communication. That's sort of a fancy term for director of administration. She handles all the enrollment, right, for almost all of our services. And then we have myself there. And then we have Kai, who's currently director of operations and really runs the meeting. He's the systems guy. He makes sure that we're in Asana going through the agenda. Okay, so what do I, what am I actually measuring from my vantage point as CEO? I'm looking at each one of those directors and I'm saying, hmm, do they have the teachers they need to deliver on the promise we made when a family enrolled? So very specifically, I'm looking at, let's go to, let's go to, you know, Ben in the private lesson department. He's got, we're a pop and a rock school. So we have a, you know, voice, voice piano teachers, guitar teachers, bass teachers, you know, drum teachers. How many do we need in each department? And how are those teachers operating to be able to consistently deliver on what we promised? And we drill down from there and we have what's called the big three. So each teacher measures, are they consistently communicating? I.e., are they sending lesson reports within 24 hours of every single lesson? Who do those lesson reports go to? Those go to the families through okay. BMF Connect. And, it's, and the students also, uh, so depending on the age of the student, right? As they age up into middle school, then their email gets added to the lesson report. Are they communicating consistently is probably the most important and dig it, Daniel, the simplest metric when it comes to people power, hmm. right? Because that's what we, we have a core value that just says, you know, communicate consistently to build trust. I want to put that into context. You yes. said there were three things you measure. Could you quickly bounce over the other two? Because I, I, that first one's really interesting, but what are those other two very quickly? Number two is resources. Are they actually sharing BMF unique curriculum resources with the students? Again, we, use, uh, we have software we developed called BMF Connect that all of our teachers use to share our games, big music games and all the things that we're known for. And so number two, are they sharing resources? And when, they, when, this, when our teachers log into their dashboard, and mind you, this may sound fancy to people that don't have like custom software and da-da-da, that's not the point, right? The point is you're saying, it's that we d believe our students deserve to have all the resources necessary to make practicing fun while they're at home. Yeah, so, it's interesting because when yeah. I finished my internship in my education degree, I yeah, yeah, taught in yeah. this private school. And they had uh, this stack of worksheets and games and things that you could send home with the kids. Of course, this was like going on 20 years ago now, yeah. right? <laughs> All printed um, in books. So yeah, maybe someone doesn't have a really fancy software system or something like that. But even those special moments, those things that are custom and unique to each child, that, that connection that's made when you share something as simple as a, as a worksheet. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Now, what's that third one? The third one is community. Are you building community? And what does that mean? At Brooklyn Music Factory, it's all about collaboration, students collaborating. So right now, it's measured very simply. We have a virtual songwriting party coming up. All of my piano students uh, are connected on a specific, with, a, with five or six other musicians, 
and they're all working on an original song together. And so the last point of measurement for me as a teacher now, I'm putting myself in the role as teacher, is uh, are simple. Do my students have all the necessary resources to be able to learn the chord progressions? Are they, do they know what other musicians they're playing with? Do they know that on May 2nd, they're going to show up to this link with five other musicians and spend an hour collaborating and writing a song together? And then mm. do they know that in June, we're going to have a massive viewing party with you know hundreds of uh, families to celebrate all these original songs? So number one, am I consistently communicating? This is as a teacher. Number two, am I sharing resources every week that will inspire my students? And in our case, are they unique to BMF? Are they our games? Are they our songwriting curriculum, et cetera? And then number three, am I ensuring that my students will show up to collaborate with others? We have our purpose in, in a simple tag, right, Daniel? Mm. Um, inspire musicians. Those, that's that game-based approach. That's that unique rec- curriculum. And then build community. That's ensuring that our students always collaborate. I'm not saying, and this is so important, Daniel, let's get it back to the buckets for a second. I'm not saying that your studio or anybody else's studio is supposed to have the same purpose as Brooklyn Music Factory, right? With I'm the not saying measurements even potentially. Or even this, yes, yes, because you're exactly, Daniel, boom, that's hitting it on the head right there. Depending on what your purpose is as a studio, you want to get very clear on how you're going to measure success or evidences of success within each bucket, right? So let's zoom out for a second. The four buckets are valuable, why? Because as founders, CEOs, they give us a very simple view on the fact that we are running a company. Yes, and thank God that wasn't a quiz because I was like, oh man, I hope I get it right, but you answered it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, that was like a, I was gonna pick it back to you, but dig it, dude. So above the buckets, And this is where it can get kind of abstract. It can even feel a little corporate to people. Like if you're anything like me or you, like we started this thing because we were pianists, right? We started because we just love to share our passion for music with others. And honestly, like, um, you know, we're all teachers. Like we, we are students. We were students of music. We continue to be students of music. But we had such profound influence by at least a handful of teachers over the course of our music journey that we have the utmost respect for the craft of teaching, right? So, I mean, probably not everybody's that, but I'm guessing that a good solid 90% of our listeners are like, oh, yeah, Nate, that's my jam, right? So, when we look at the buckets, though, all of a sudden now we're business people. We're supposed to understand how to organize teams of teachers and run every facet of a company. But that's not what we signed up for when we first started our studio, right? So now all of a sudden, you're three, four, five, six, seven years into your journey as a business person. And you're like, I need to get, I need to get a handle on every facet of this company. You probably yeah. don't even call it a company. I can vividly remember, Daniel, when I turned to my team of, then like 18 people, you know, it's not my team. It's just, it's the community of teachers and people that all want to want to try to inspire musicians and build community, right? But I turned to them and I'm like, we are not just a music school. This is a company that is on a growth path. And this is a company 
that is going to get organized and going to be able to figure out, you know, what to do next with each bucket of business. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. It's interesting because as I hear you talk about this, I want to highlight that point that you made, which is each studio or school is not going to have the same measurement that a different school would. Mm. However, and, and, you know, I'm going to ask anyone listening if this would be helpful just ping us on social media or email. It's all over the Grow website, how to get in touch with us. If it would be interesting to figure out how to make that connection between, oh, this is the outcome I want. So what should I be measuring in each of these buckets to yes. get that outcome that I want? It would, you know, If there's interest there, I'm sure we could do a whole episode on that because that, that's huge. And now the second thing I wanted to say about this was for my own studio, one of the ways that I had measured in terms of delivery of service was simply pages passed per week. Mm, yeah. And just- now here's the thing. Now this is what's interesting about this. When I did that, when I started that quote unquote initiative, when I actually started measuring that, I had in my mind an estimated number of what I thought it was. Yes. And when I actually started measuring it, and I measured it more at the beginning, and then I would do occasional checks throughout the year. It was something that I didn't do ongoingly every single week. Right. I would do these focus weeks where I would measure. But the reason I did that was I learned that the, the number stayed pretty consistent. And so I just wanted to get snapshots over time to make sure the consistency was there. Yeah, smart. But the number was vastly different. And it was direct. It, now, I didn't just do it to do it. It was directly connected to this sense that the one of the main ways that we market uh, the studio was kids get through music fast here. Mm. Now that isn't a message that every studio is going to have. It might not even be a priority. That might not be a measurement that you have at BMF, Nate. But for me, that was actually really important because not only was it a did it have implications for marketing, it was actually a way that I kept a quality control check on me while I was still teaching. Yes. And for teachers um, that we hired in other schools or in other venues in which I was involved operationally and management-wise, it was a way that we kept track of the teachers. That could seem like an onerous burden, but honestly, to measure communication every week, like you were saying earlier, that could feel like an onerous burden until it doesn't, until it gets inculcated as a value yes. and is connected to the overall purpose and mission of BMF. And every teacher is on board with that reporting because they see the importance of it and how it not only contributes to the satisfaction of the parents and the students, but actually their own satisfaction with their career because they realize they're connected to something bigger than just, oh, I'm going to come in and teach some quarter notes this week. So you said two things, Daniel, that are so on point. First of all, 
you were able, we get through music fast. So you, that's like inspire musicians, build community at Brooklyn Music Factory. Mm -hmm. You came up with a simple way of describing what you're promising. Now, of course, parents are then going to be like, what does that mean? Get through music fast. And you you would elaborate just like we would say, inspire musicians. Well, we're a game-based curriculum. We've developed an app called Big Music, et cetera, right? However, you then went to a comment that is so essential for us as founders and as CEOs and as people that are growing a business while still teaching and integrated at the thousand foot level. You said, it's good accountability for me. It's a good check for me, quality control check for me. So you're referencing you not only as someone who's observing other teachers, but as someone who's showing up to the job site daily to deliver on what you say all your teachers and others are doing. So can we get super real here for a second? Yesterday, Daniel, I was, my first meeting was crack of dawn, 8.30 or something. And then we were working, I was working on my job as a CEO or founder until about 1.30. Then I took a power nap, had lunch, and then I taught for five hours, right? So then I'm done at 7.30. Honestly, the teaching to me is just like, it's like, you know, flows it's like a, water. I love it. It's a break. It. It's a relaxing it's time. It's a right? really, really energizing and wonderful part of my day. But then it's 8.30 and I'm done with dinner. And guess what I haven't done yet, Daniel? Oh, no. I haven't sent my lesson reports yet. Hmm. But in my mind, because the culture, it's so deep into the Brooklyn Music Factory culture, which, by the way, I was integral in developing. <laughs> I was like, dude, don't go to bed send those lesson reports. So just like cup of tea, 15 minutes, get the lesson reports out. Why? Because communicate consistently to gain trust. And in my case, to retain trust with these students that I've been working with for years, right? It's it's, It's so important that when we're having conversations about the buckets of business and everything starts to feel big, and for those that are listening, like, ah, overwhelming even. Like, I don't have metrics for a back office bucket. I don't know what my financial metrics should be. I don't know what my people power HR metrics should be yet. It's so important to understand this, that you are balancing multiple jobs at once. And the most foundational gig that you have is still at the thousand foot level. What are you doing with your students and families to ensure that they have a positive experience and that you're delivering on your purpose to them. And then those buckets are about simplifying your view on your company so that you can step back in those four or five, six or seven hours you have each week to be a CEO and be like, where am I going to allocate my limited resources this month or this week? Which bucket is going to get my attention? The two questions, the first one, why the buckets in this specific order? Because you have marketing, then you have delivery of service, you have um, the back office, and then you have new business. Why in that order? Can okay. we do that in a, in a short period of time? Mm, I could try, and then you could just cut me off if I'm going too long. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, what if I were to flip the bucket, new business first? Mm-hmm. Well, anybody who's at all like me knows what would happen. We would just continue to never start a business 
never find a customer and never consistently deliver to them because we'd just be writing in our journal all the great ideas we have. And then we'd be having coffee with all our friends and telling them about all the great ideas we have. That's why mm. new biz is not the first bucket. It's the so, last bucket. Why is marketing and sales the first then? Because you had take one idea and you need to f- start by uh, getting refined in your message. You said we get through music fast. BMF says we inspire musicians and we build community. That uh, the, the clarity that comes around that first bucket of saying, I am going, I'm not just going to provide a piano lesson. I'm not a piano teacher that teaches a piano lesson. Notice mm-hmm. there's nowhere in our, in our uh, purpose that says we teach piano. No, none mm-hmm. of us started piano because it was a piano. Right. I mean, like when I was six, I started it because I sat down at the instrument every day, didn't practice my Suzuki piano and instead just started writing songs, right? Impro- making up whatever I wanted to. That's the actual purpose of the instrument in that moment for me as a six year old. So marketing and sales bucket is key because you have to decide the why. Why do you intend to start selling something? Hmm. i.e. your time, i.e. a piano lesson. What's the real purpose behind that lesson? And then number two, you must convince people that it's valuable to them. Okay. That's, now, that's I'm going to cut you off there because yes. we're just going to talk about marketing for 20 minutes. Yeah, no, Let's go to the bucket two. Off, we have marketing first mm-hmm. and we have bucket two, which is delivery of service. Why in that order? What's yes. the connection there? Because the confusion is that you and I are you know, we're strong piano players, we've studied piano, we're ready to teach it, and we're teaching a piano lesson. So we think if the student just shows up and we open the book and teach them piano, that that's enough. But guess what? That's not what the marketing, what I said about the marketing and sales bucket. I said, you discover your why, you uh, communicate that why and that purpose to a family, you convince them that they want to be part of your why, that it's going to benefit their family, And then they show up every week and through the vehicle of a music lesson, you are delivering on that promise. For example, and it sounds abstract, but you you really have to understand this is the difference between someone who sells time, i.e. 45-minute lesson slots, and someone who develops a lasting, sustainable business. This is the difference. This is one of the most fundamental ones in my observation is that if you just want to sell time for the rest of your life, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're going to deliver on a promise, i.e., I am telling my families of the students I teach at Brooklyn Music Factory that they will develop lasting relationships with other musicians, collaborate consistently every single year on multiple songwriting parties, multiple performance opportunities, and in so doing, they will begin to see music as this incredible tool for building their community. Hmm. Okay? that I have said that pitch so many times, and I will do it till the day I die, and here's why. Because it's why I play music. Hmm. Right? So it's not like I made it up for the benefit of the company. And hmm. so Delivery on Promise, Daniel, is about saying, can you get a team of people to show up consistently and work towards that purpose? Hmm. Which leads into back office, which I imagine, if I can mm. guess here, is it's how you make that happen. 
It is, uh, it is how you make that happen. It is different than the curriculum training, which is in delivery, right? So when I show up and I say, uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to use one of these books, like our club keyboard book, right? Which is our unique curriculum. Um, that's part of delivering on that promise. It's the tool we use to deliver and get kids to collaborate. The back office is saying, Hey, how do you consistently ensure that these are available for all teachers, that they're easily accessible, that the content is in all the formats that they need, that the students have the content delivered to them in the format that they need, that you have the money to order another box of these suckers, that you have the money in six months to order another box of those, right? That's all back office. That's are you ensuring that you can pay your faculty every single month are you ensuring that when a faculty is not delivering on the promise, you have a way of coaching them out of the company? Are you ensuring that your directors all have the support they need, i.e. the resources they need? Maybe they need a book two of this. Oh, that, Daniel, moves us to the new biz bucket. It's time to develop more material to support your team. And now you get to the fourth and final bucket, which is the new business bucket. Um, that's the four buckets right there. And, and maybe that was too abstract, but hopefully we walk. No, I don't think it. so. I think it also probably bears mentioning as we probably move into the close here that it sounds like your marketing and sales bucket mm. is more about the big picture vision than do we do Facebook ads or not. Hmm. It sounds like it's more about. It sounds like it's more of a big picture thrust that you all have, or a or just a state of being, and that where, and that the question as to whether you invest in Facebook ads or SEO or Google ads this year probably falls more in the operations back office bu- bucket. In other words, hmm. the marketing and sales is. Are you tracking with me? Does that sound right? Or how would you? Um, I would say. How would you modify that if if I'm not quite? Yeah, on? I think I think you're on to something important here, which is this: you have a really valuable message that you want to share with people, but you're not exactly sure how to find those people, right? You can do what we used to do at BMF: literally hang flyers on telephone poles and hope that people call, you know, and get me on the phone, <laughs> right? Um, but obviously, and, and I've learned a lot of this from you, Daniel, obviously things like Google ads get you more families. The, how I would clarify your comment is the following. At Hmm. first, it is a marketing endeavor because you're saying we need to make sure we have a funnel that consistently delivers families that are the right families for us, i.e. we're messaging in the correct way at the top of the funnel in those Google ads or on those Facebook ads so that we're getting only the family that is interested in a collaborative music approach that lasts seven to 10 years, that is primarily a social endeavor in addition to a music fluency endeavor, right? That's a very specific message. We're trying to get families that want that, right? Once you figure that funnel out, like you and I worked, when, when I first met you, we, I came to you with a very specific issue. I needed to get a predictive cost per contact, right? Mm. 
through a Google ad funnel. And after 11 years, I was just so frustrated that we still didn't have that. Anyway, mm-hmm. you came in and did great work with Brooklyn Music Factory around that, right? And so once we get that thing operating effectively, that's exactly when it moves to the third bucket operations. Because I don't have someone on my marketing team maintaining that funnel anymore. My marketing person is focused entirely on the best possible copy, helping me write blog posts, doing all these things, putting video, great content out there to attract more families. But then she's simply just plugging it into the existing funnel that we have that's now just being maintained in operations. Does that kind of jive? Does that make sense? Yes, and it's much more nuanced than what I said. Well, we said we were just going to focus on the buckets. <laughs> oh, no. we, said we, were gonna, we ended up diving in pretty deep into at least two of them there. Um, wow. But I think there's a lot left to say about that, about all four of those maybe in more specificity in upcoming episodes. So let's call it a game there, Nate, and um, we'll nice. see you all next time. All right, Dynamite. Thank you, Daniel. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.